Hey, this is Dirk Reviewer from Megadeth, and you're listening to GhostCultMag.com. What's up, everybody? It's Keefe, and you're listening to another Ghost Cult Magazine podcast from GhostCultMag.com. Stoked to be back, and today we have an extremely special guest returning to the show, Brian Beller of The Aristocrats and also of Death Clock and many, many other projects. He was gracious enough to catch up with me in his hotel room right before the first date of the brand new Aristocrats mini tour, celebrating the release of their brand new album, Duck. Check it out. Back to another Ghost Cult Magazine podcast. I'm stoked today to be joined by Brian Beller of many bands, but specifically today to talk about the Aristocrats. How are you doing, sir? Doing good, man. Doing good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, great to talk to you again. Uh, We've chatted a few times over the years. I've talked to Marco and Guthrie before about all the bands. Uh, New album out today. This is a real treat for me. I rarely get to talk to people on the day of release. Duck is out now everywhere. Uh, And what a what a crazy album. What a crazy concept album. And that's kind of where I wanted to jump in first. It's, uh, you know, what a fun when just all the way from the artwork to every track is it's just a it's like the most fun album I think the, the band has done to me. That's very cool that you think that we're always trying to inject a little bit of levity into the idea of an instrumental rock fusion band where, you know, uh, levity is not always the first thing you think of, I suppose, in the genre. Uh, but that's what we've been doing for a while. And, you know, we were doing our typical thing where we were bringing in our songs. We always bring in three songs each. Got three, Marco and myself. And uh, Marco brought in a song called Sitting with a Duck on a Bay, which was a little bit of a play on the whole Dock of the Bay thing. And it had a little bit of that R&B vibe. And we thought that that was cool and cute. But then when he brought in a second snippet of a song that was going to be an add on ending to something else uh, or that original song, we were discussing where it was going to go. And he was calling it Duck's End. We were like, if we put it somewhere else in the album, then we're going to have two songs about Duck in two different places. The album are like, are we making a concept album about Duck or something? And we laughed and then we stopped laughing. (laughs) We were like. Hey, wait a minute. Like, what if all these stories that, you know, we, we usually write the songs about something else. What if it all happened to some protagonist duck? Uh, and we started spinning up this story based on the song titles that we already had about all these things that could happen to a duck. And the story is, is completely taken on a life of its own. And that hasn't published yet, but it's going to on our website uh, in March, uh, you know, uh, it's the album's out right now. The The artwork speaks to the story. The titles speak to the story. Uh, but we kind of backed into it being a concept album in that way, which is, you know, that, that's good for a band like us because it's not like, you know, we want to, we're not the kind of band that's going to sit down and be super serious and be like, okay, we're going to make the wall now. You know what I mean? It's not like that. We're, we're having too much fun for that, even though I think the wall is great. Well, of course, it's an inherently uh, the most aristocrats thing that could happen is to accidentally make a concept album. Uh, And and I and I, you know, like storytelling is always a really big part of all the music you guys make together and apart. But uh, again, this is such a fun experience and such a fun listen. I think it's going to, you know, surely invigorate fans. Uh, You know, you guys could have just did another uh, my British friends and British uh, colleagues at Ghost Cult like to say bog standard is a typical British expression. Right. Right. The most basic, the most basic yeah. thing and nothing about this is even basic, even for you guys. Uh, the art, by the way, people, people may not know, but it was created by the same person that worked on Space Jam. Uh, so the duck and, and a bunch very, of other videos. See, I'm a, not a gamer. Yeah, 
Yeah, he, yeah, there's some gaming credits that he has. I'm not a gamer, so I don't really know that world, but apparently he's like done a lot of stuff in gaming too. Yeah, Sam, if I uh, spent a lot of time doing games as much as I listened and critique music, I'd never leave the house at all. So right. I can't do games as much as I would like to. Right, and, right. Uh, I love just the distinctive, funny characters. And like, you know, I could see this. Yeah, like if this was a whole animated movie soundtracked by this album, I would watch it over and over. I feel like this. So the story for, for people, you know, the, the rough, the 30 second elevator pitch of the story is, you know, there's an Antarctic, a duck living a quiet, peaceful, somewhat boring life on an Antarctic Island. And he gets into trouble with some of the local ruffian penguins. And uh, as a result, the uh, powerful police penguin police chief of the island is now after him and wants to arrest him and duck decides to flee the island jumps off the first boat leaving the island ends up in new york city which is very very far from an island in the south atlantic ocean and uh all sorts of other misadventures uh ensue when he gets there and so you know who is this duck and who is this police penguin and why is this all happening that's what the story tries to address and of course you know I wish that we just had, you know, I wish we had Disney money, you know, we'd make this movie, you know, we'd make the the, the graphic novel right away. And we still might do stuff like that. But for now, it's just going to be a written story that's going to publish online. And we have some uh, some illustrations to go with it. I'm also going to just put this out into the universe. Z2 Comics does a lot of graphic novels and comic books. Everybody, let's let's collectively wish this into reality. <laughs> Maybe they'll reach out to you guys. They do. They're doing the new Bruce Dickinson album and comic book series together. Yeah. And they did a phenomenal graphic novel for Anthrax and a ton of other bands. So anything's possible, man. Um, and then musically, right? It's just such a banger. That opening track, uh, hey, where's my drink package? Uh, starts with this phenomenal, hard, like some of the hardest drums Marco has is, is kicked off a record within ages. And that's really saying something. And then you have this insane bass stuff going on, right? It's not quite a solo, but it's kind of like a very riffy, yeah. very riffy bass part that's really tasty, man. And it's just a beautiful start to a record. People are just so, I think, accustomed to, okay, you know, guitar army, go. And I love this opening. Thank you. You know, uh, I am the sequence nerd in the band and like i'm really really particular about it and i actually had a different sequence i proposed to the guys at the beginning and it wasn't i didn't feel it wasn't working we once we got the songs all together you know i don't want to spoil what it was but like we had something different and then when we realized when we heard the recording in the mix of drink package we were just like oh god this has got to be first and and it's such a punch in the face even though it's not the first uh song sequentially in the story so that ended up having to kind of be a little bit of a circular narrative there and we'll get to that but just speaking on the music itself yeah marco's tune has got really everything that the aristocrats are about i feel like you know it's not just like a guitar showcase. There's plenty of guitar stuff in it, but like, you know, each of us has like a kind of a moment and a sound and a really kind of fun, uh, rollicking kind of part. And it goes through ups and downs. There's, there's wild scene changes. There's a really slow moody solo at the end. I'm uh, trying to approximate both a bass and a rhythm guitar for Marco's original demo. And that's why I'm using an octave pedal and a slight overdrive to kind of fill up a lot of space in this line while Guthrie's off doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And Marco's, you know, just driving the thing home with kind of a heavy swinging groove. On. Oh, it's so good. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of that on this record. There's a lot of fun. I think this record kind of lends itself maybe more so than 
you know, outside of the chamber record, which I also just listened to yeah. this week also just randomly came on my, my playlist. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to sit and listen to this entire record. Cause it's so beautiful. Uh, I feel like, you know, when, when Guthrie is at his best, when he's just wildly interjecting in the conversation yeah. musically, uh, obviously people flock to him for his, you know, you know, just his touch and his, you know, dexterity on the instrument. But it's fun when you and Marco are just kind of holding down a bed and Guthrie just do what I like rock hopper, right? The, visualizer dropped today for Sergeant Rockhopper and yeah. there's this insane middle section where it's very conversational it's call and response between the instruments a, a little bit and I love I love that so much it's almost my favorite moment on the whole album oh cool are you talking about Guthrie's guitar solo in that song yeah, yeah. it's like a very yeah, yeah. talky like two people talking a little bit while you guys yeah, are just kind it, of it, laying back yeah there's this really really weird uh slightly dissonant riff they uh don't don't Go and and it's got uh, Guthrie's kind of signature strange accents, and it's got that kind of uh, half diminished scale vibe. We're getting the music theory nerd stuff now, but uh, first it establishes the riff, and then he goes crazy, uh, and then Marco starts to go crazy, and then you know even I kind of let the line go and go nuts a little bit, uh, and somehow we all kind of have to bring it back home. And I mean, you know, Guthrie's improvised improvisational abilities of course are are well known well respected and and well deserved for that respect he's just the most amazing improviser i've ever heard uh but you know we're doing rock fusion like i always say we're not it's not jazz you know it's not just play the head and then we blow for 10 minutes and we play the head again so it's a rock tune uh and there's structure there but when it's time to let loose man that's you know that's always fun Right on. I, I also will say, uh, not that it's reminiscent of, but it gave me the same vibes as like the 90s King Crimson, like uh, the Vroom and Thrack era of Crimson, where it's just like, you know, feels like a free for all, but it's really not, uh, yeah. which is, you know, some of the best music ever made uh, is when it's loose, but it, it sounds loose, but it's not meant to be that loosey goosey which i love personally in terms of some real nerd cool. shit uh cool, and then yeah man just such a great record all the way through and uh, you know again i think um you know i know you guys are doing this brief mini tour you're uh in your hotel in your city starting off the tour in seattle and uh you know, I know time is of the essence for everybody because there's just I'm sure there's so many forces pulling you apart. Uh, huge death clock tour coming up, uh, which is going to take up probably a lot of your spring. Actually, you know, it, it, I'm not on that tour. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, because I'm going to be out with Joe Satriani and Steve Vai. Oh, OK. Uh, who are going out for two months uh, oh. from mid-March to mid-May. I mean, I'm not I'm not playing with. Well, there will be a part where Steve and Joe play together and I'll be playing with them, but I'm not in Steve's live band right now that's philip bino on bass but i'm in joe's live band and that was scheduled a while ago so uh so pete griffin is going to play bass on this death clock tour but there is a late there's a uh, death clock's going to be doing something called the headbangers boat which is a cruise of lamb of god and i'll be on that i think there might be some additional dates around that too but that's not official yet oops oopsie uh anyway uh yes um it was what you're alluding to is the fact that we couldn't really put together a, a big tour in the spring, but we didn't want to wait until the summer to release the album. And we saw this window that we could do this. Everybody's got something going on. And uh, we were like, well, let's do it. Let's just put the album out in February and we'll do a quick little celebratory tour, make some noise about the album. And then that'll, you know, uh, hopefully stir some interest for a bigger tour later in the year, which we are working on. So don't worry. 
uh, the United States because this duckling tour, this five dates, they're all sold out. Every show, I know, yeah, and yeah, it's quite an accom- yeah. In this yeah. environment of touring, is such an accomplishment. I yeah. honestly, even for this band who I've seen, you know, many times, it's you know, uh, a quite a thing to sell out even a few dates. And yeah. I, I'm, I, I cannot get to Reading; it's a little far for me in the Bay Area to get to Reading. Yeah. But I, I salute you all for thank uh, you, thank being you. able to thank do you. this. And and uh, you know, Pete is great, by the way, for the Death Clock fans. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, Pete's We did like a huge two-hour interview with Brendan, by the. Way last year, oh and, cool! You know, obviously he raved about everybody in the band, you yeah, know, yourself and everybody. Brendan, by the way, just showed up at the G three uh, show in L A. You know, for those last two, the 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 G three for your listeners who aren't aware, there was a G three reunion tour. The original lineup: Joe Satriani, Steve Vai, and Eric Johnson, who had not toured since nineteen ninety six. They again, that was another short tour. It was only like two and a half weeks, like thirteen dates. But the whole point was to get to L A. where we recorded two shows, like eight cameras. Mike Frazier recording multi-track audio. I mean, like the, like really the whole thing. And so, you know, there was like, there was some pressure on that because there always is, but uh, we got it done. And uh, you know, I'm just really, really, I'm really, I'm really psyched about that. Uh, and uh, at G3, you know, of course, the end of the show, after each artist does their individual set, they get up there and jam together, Steve and Joe and Eric, and a lot of great stuff happens. But for the LA shows, we had super jams where we had those three plus other people. And on the, the final night of the tour, the Saturday night, it was so it was Steve, Eric, Joe, plus Brendan Small, plus Pliny, plus Phil X. <laughs> It was just madness. And the night before the Super Jam guests were Anita Strauss and Jason Richardson. So that's insane. I'm, I've talked to almost all those artists. That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> Brendan, yeah, I know. And of course, you know, the great thing for Brendan is like, you know, Brendan and I are close to the same age. We grew up together. We went to Berkeley. You know, we, we remember when these guys put out the, the big albums and we're like, we can't believe we're playing with these guys. We're still like that, you know? I think a lot of people, you know, because Brendan has got so many hands spinning plates, people don't, he's such a student of just the history of music and heavy music, but also like he's got such a depth on guitar and an appreciation, you know, he downplays himself. I feel like, like he did in our interview. He's so humble. He kind of, oh, you know, don't give me too much credit. And it's like, bro. (laughs) I know, right? He only invented this whole thing. I mean, like. You know, it's like, you know, not listen, when I say not every guitar player is Guthrie, I mean, I really mean it like only Guthrie is Guthrie. It's just like, you know, you're if you're using that as a comparison, then no one's going to measure up to that. So that that's kind of useless. I think everybody is born. And if we're able to make some kind of imprint in this world, in the music business, we're all kind of born to create some thing that's unique to us. And clearly the world of death clock that Brendan has created with all these characters and his comedy thing and his voice acting uh, and his story writing and his music writing and his guitar playing. I mean, like there's so much going on there, you know? So, you know, Brendan did an amazing thing. I, I mean, we're getting off track here, but uh, I was a huge fan of the final movie. Uh, I really, really loved the way that they brought that home. And I was super, super happy to be able to do part of the, big tour last year that the baby clock tour that that kind of closed that out I'm, i love metal you know so yeah people yeah of course and uh and again uh, aristocrats stands on its own as its own thing and yeah. uh we're glad to get whatever we can get uh certainly look forward to another tour later in the year and uh, yeah there'll be there'll know. be more you know it's funny i think about the 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 I always, you know, we're going to write the story together. I like writing. I used to write for a magazine and, uh, but like, you know, who wants my writing? You know, I'm like, 
I, you know, I mean, the magazine thing is like, there aren't any magazines anymore. It's very hard. So we can write online. It's just a difficult pursuit to do as a living as a musician isn't hard enough. Right. Uh, but Brendan would always say, I had to create a television show so I could hire myself to be the musician to score the whole thing. Right. And there's a lot of wisdom in that. Well, I feel like in a way, you know, uh, we, and this was not on purpose, but like the aristocrats concept album that needs this story. It's like, we had to create this band so I could actually like help write a story that people would actually read. (laughs) Right on, right on. I feel like you're so busy all the time. What do you do when you're not, practicing writing recording touring music what do you what's your what hobbies can does brian have that he can talk about not many lately i gotta be honest i'm i ever since touring resumed in 22 uh i have been going non-stop it's just been absolute non-stop being on the road playing shows and working on this album that's what it's all been about so you know there's a moment uh, other musicians who've released stuff know what this is like. You work on something forever. You make your 10,000 decisions along the way, and then you make your one final decision, which is, is it done? And then uh, once you make that decision, then there's a period between when you've completed the album and then when the album comes out, there's all this promotion and manufacturing and marketing that goes on. And then suddenly release day comes and it's out, you know, and all that work you did is just released into the wild. And then you take what you get and then that's it. But, but this gigantic kind of tornado of noise and activity is suddenly not there. Uh, and all there is, is the road work and promoting and playing shows. And, and I, I find that after the intense work that goes into a production and I take this stuff, I get really, really detailed about it uh, for a year and a half or two years or four years if it was for my solo album, or even if it's just for six months, uh, I am always very relieved and happy after release day comes like I, I, I need that moment of climax and release to be done. And then to walk away from album production for a while before I can kind of go back to it. So it's a, it's a heady moment. And I'm just so grateful to you and other people who are interested in what we're up to and who care enough to make this work. You know, if we if nobody cares and nobody's listening, then we can do it. But it's just for us. I know that when we're doing this, it's not just for us. It's for a bunch of people out there who really want this stuff and believe in it. And that's amazing. Well, that goes double for me on on your side, man. Thank you for always uh, supporting us and taking time to hang out with us. Uh, one thing that I will jump on here that you mentioned is the is it done factor, right? Uh, one of my favorite quotes I've often cited in music is Vernon Reed is like, is a song done after it's being recorded? Because aristocrats in particular are so loved by the, the music nerd kingdom for improv and jamming and, you know, occasionally, you know, taking things in a different direction live and other bands are just like, play it the way it is. So I love the idea of like, is it actually truly done when the record is done? That part of it is done, but does it become something else or particularly songs you've played a bunch of times with different bands, the most played songs in your catalogs? Do you eventually, something makes you change each time as you play it live uh, or do you keep it pretty, you know, in a box all the time? especially with a band like the aristocrats you know like with death clock if it's metal that's a script and you play the script there's nothing wrong with that you know that is what it is and you're just there to deliver the brutality of that 
piece of music. And there's other kinds of music that are like that, pop music, everything. With the aristocrats, when we're doing something that's literally defined as rock fusion, there is an improvisational element. And so the record is the record and that's cool. Uh, you know, there's three songs that we've been playing live for the last year or so. And so those songs are different for us than the other songs that we're going to debut some of them tonight uh, on a stage. But the truth is, is that the record is the record. And if you in a band like us or if you're doing any kind of improvisational stuff, you don't really even know what the song is until you played it on 20 stages. That's how I feel about it. And I think Guthrie Mark will feel the same way that. I always feel like, and even if there's not improvisational sections, there are things about songs when you play them as a musician that are revealed to you only after you play them on a bunch of stages. And, and that's why touring is so crucial to musical development of a band. You know, I mean, you can go all the way back right to the prototypical band, the Beatles, you know, and everybody knows the story about how they went to Hamburg and played a gajillion shows. And they came out of the other side to like, like musical little superheroes because they knew exactly what they were. And that's what performing live and touring does for your music. So I know the 20th time we play the song sitting with a duck in the bay with all those improv sections in it, it's like going to be revealed to us what that song's contours really feel like, where the emotional highs and lows are. Same thing with something like Here Come the Builders, which is just a very, very dense, difficult, uh, aggressive piece of music. But th that doesn't mean that there aren't mileposts, signposts along the way that will mean more to us over time once we've all played them and looked at each other on stage 20 times. So I'm a believer that in both things, the record is the record. And then the song does become something else when you play it live over and over again. Thank God we have the opportunity to do that. I wish every band would have the opportunity to take their music on the road, regardless of whether or not, you know, you're going to be able to pack the house just so you know what your music really is. True. And also live performance just in general, I think for every artist is, is it not every artist is a live performer, but I think live performance yeah. is essential to the makeup of any creative person or artist uh, especially for obviously music is a big thing uh just sure. as we wrap this up i want to give you up back the rest of your day uh what music do you listen to that people would be surprised at when you're not you know in you know practice mode or learning mode well I, you know when i'm in an album production i don't listen to that much other music because I, I, there are some people who just can go on a diet of music 24 hours a day and i'm not really that person i need to be completely in it and then i need to not listen to music so that I can come back with fresh ears and a fresh brain for whatever it is I'm working on. But I mean, like, uh, this is not going to be a surprise to anybody, especially if they've been following me, but I'm just such a huge knower nerd right now. I feel like the new D the, the new knower album, knower forever is so great. And the whole Lewis Cole world is kind of amazing, but knower is my favorite manifestation of all of his various projects. Uh, I've even been getting into the Genevieve Artati solo albums, which are a little bit older now. Uh, and the nice thing about them is, is that uh, there's not a lot of guitar on them. You know, I, I spend a lot of time working with amazing guitarists and I'm grateful for all of that. I mean, like, you know, this is the joke among my friends is like, so what's, you're just trying to play with all the guitarists. Is that it? And like, I, it wasn't my design when I set out to start my career, but 
that's what it's become. I play with a lot of guitar, instrumental guitarists, and I love it. It's great. I'm really, really grateful for my career. It's nice to have timbre in my ears that does not involve a distorted guitar. And it's probably one of the reasons, in addition to the amazing musicianship, why I'm drawn to know her, because it's so keyboard driven and the vocalist female, it's just a completely different set of timbres. That doesn't mean that sometimes I don't want to listen to some metal or, you know, listen to a really good instrumental guitar album. I do, but that's my jam right now. Very nice. I just want to say just as a final closing thing, uh, I think I would like to someday read the Brian Beller book that maybe not about bass specifically or, you know, any, you know, I love talking to you and I love hearing your thoughts on music and just uh, just more philosophical stuff. I think I, I'm the audience for that book if it yeah. were ever to manifest in you. Well, you know, it, it, I, I had fantasies about being a novelist when I was very young, you know, in my 20s. And uh, it, it's something that it's a really, you know, my sister is a published novelist and she's actually, and she used to be an editor in a New York City publishing house. So, uh, so she is actually doing professional editing with me uh, and the guys on the story, which is amazing. You know, it's, it's a whole other thing, the, the, the creative pursuit of actual literary writing and, and anyone who's actually ever written out there. There's other people, I don't know if, they, if there's other people who have published stuff and have editors and stuff like that know what that process is like. It's very humbling and you really have to be open to suggestion because it, it, it's just such a mono, uh, it's just such a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you're just all on your own. You're it's you and a computer and it's, you don't even have these like interfaces of like a guitar or a bass or sounds or things that might send you in different directions. It's just you, your brain and a keyboard and that's it, you know? And it's really helpful once you get your ideas out to just have somebody else there who's like, listen, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? By the way, rearrange this. And there's just a lot going on there. One day, maybe I've thought about it. You know, if I ever slow down, I have some ridiculous stories that I've never told. Uh, even though I publish pretty prolifically online, uh, little snippets here and there, I've had an incredible life. I don't know. What yes, you have. Say. And thank you for all the music and just in general, again, thank you for always being great with us and gracious with me. So oh, thank you, man. For having me. Yeah, thank yeah, you. And it's, it's always a pleasure to chop it up with you. Be safe on the road. Have a great time. And we'll see you out there at one of these next shows. Thank you so much, Brian Beller. Thank you. Thanks, Ghost Cold. Thank you. All right. Take care. Duck is out today, everybody. Go get it. Yes, please. <laughs> all right. Cheers. Take care. Thank you, man. Thank you. This has been another episode of the Ghost Cult Magazine podcast. Check us out at ghostcultmag.com and follow our socials at Ghost Cult Mag. Until the next time, peace.